Hey, what's going on guys and welcome back to the Live Free Podcast. It's been a little bit, but we're back and we're better than ever. Today we're going to be talking about uh, the 43 and a resort project we've been working on for, for quite some time now. Um, we closed on it back in December, um, but first we're going to go into a little bit of, you know, kind of how you know a burr project works, kind of what goes into it and why you would want to do it, maybe some negatives, and then kind of just go from there and talk about how it works for us. Um, how, how are we doing today, JD? I was afraid you weren't going to ask. Uh, it's been a pretty good day. Really busy. Um, we have been churning with the management, getting the quality up to that five-star perfection. He just brought a new guy on from uh, the Hilton, and I'm very excited to have him. Um, and that should help me focus on finishing up this giant burr project we got going. Yeah, it's super exciting. It's been a lot of fun. Um, the whole team have just been um, hard at work since we got it in the beginning. Um, you know, getting these units ready. Um, it's it's almost like every single month we have you know at least three to five units going up. Um, I think when we first started, we had a lot. We had what like seven seven units in the first month we were you know working on. Yeah, we came into the project and seven were vacant, so we had a, an open canvas on those, and we went right to work. And I think it really helped that everyone was uh, just ready to go. Uh, the energy was high. The enthusiasm was high. And we'll get into that more later as we go throughout what a, a nine-month rehab process looks like. But, yeah, we, we hit the ground running. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about the financials of it, like how we kind of made it work and just kind of go into that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, this one was interesting. Um, typically with a burr, you investors will get really excited to find something really beat up and something that, like, the owner just can't hold on to. It doesn't make sense. Like, it, it needs help. So they grab it under value. Um, they make sure that they budget for the rehab, and then they're hoping that the value when they're done is a lot higher uh, so they can execute the refinance. And that's that's really the name of the game. It's buy, rehab, uh, rent it out, then you can refinance it, and then you go do it again with the money you pulled out. Uh, what was interesting here is the building we had was actually in pretty good shape. Uh, there are 43 units, and 15 of them were in good, great shape. Um, which actually worked out perfect for us because we are stamping a uh, Burr B&B. Uh, so all of the units that we are renovating um, were not in good shape and are becoming short-term rentals. Uh, all of the units that uh, were in good shape, it's kind of perfect that they were because they make more sense in the long term. So we are going to test one out uh, next week and see how it does in the short term, uh, an apartment here. But other than that, I mean... This deal was, was interesting because we were able to bite off what we wanted and everything else was already done for us. Yeah, I mean, that's super awesome. It, it really has been really fun to just kind of like um, see what we can do with the units. And we try to change them up every, every what we call in phase. So we've done each each wave of units in, in phases. So start off with seven, then I think we did like three or five. Um, and we kind of just kept moving along from there. But each each time we try out different things. So we'll try out different um, cabinet colors. So we'll try out different backsplashes. Um, we first started off by not necessarily doing all the bathrooms, but then we kind of decided that it was a great idea to do the bathrooms and completely renovate them. Um, so it, it's been really cool to see how we kind of transformed it and really made each each wave unique. Yeah, they definitely have been getting unique. We've been getting better and better with each unit. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, playing with the budget, right? When you start out a project, you, you don't want to go over budget. That's the number one mistake you hear that people make. Uh, so we stayed pretty conservative early on uh, in those first seven. Uh, we were conservative. Then we started to open up a bit. Uh, and I think not that we made mistakes. Uh, it's working out really well from a rental perspective. Uh, and I think that's something that 
I really learned throughout this process is that when you're doing a short-term rental, um, there's almost no way to overdo it uh, because that's what protects you from saturation and competition uh, in the long run. But we opened the budget up a little bit. We started spending a little more than we had planned for each unit, um, but I'm really happy with how they're coming out. Oh, totally. It was definitely the greatest idea ever to kind of experiment a little bit and really see what we can really pull out of these. Um, and the, the pictures speak for themselves how, how well they came out, I would say. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, you can check out the links in uh, my bio or check out the uh, Instagram for the resort at stay.elements. But one thing I I realized going through this project, um, because a lot of my uh, real estate friends are into the multifamily space. Um, So similar size projects, they're taking down multifamily apartment complexes. uh, But the major difference with what they're doing is I seems like you go in with with a plan right they know exactly what they want to renovate what level they want to renovate to Um, and not that we didn't have an idea of what we wanted to do but for them if they buy a 43 unit building and they're renovating 43 units chances are there's only going to be one or two different models and they run the same thing over and over again yeah i mean that's why it was really nice to do it in kind of phases so we could kind of you know test different things out see what we liked so we didn't like um and kind of just keep going and experimenting and it, it made it really fun yeah, it's fun to switch it up, and that's that's the thing is in the short-term space, like I said, you want it to be unique. So uh, it wouldn't make sense for us to run the same design 27 times in a row. Uh, I think we actually reused a couple designs, maybe two or three times, but we want to keep each unit feeling like its own. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about some of the biggest challenges we've kind of faced so far? So we were very blessed. Uh, a big thing you need to remember when you're going in the burst strategy is um, contractors can be very difficult to work with. Um, they can be really difficult to try to get scheduled. Um, when it comes to contract work, you can either find uh, high quality, you can find fast, or you can find uh, affordable. Um, it's impossible to find all three at once. Yep. Uh, and that's definitely something that I've seen throughout just managing short-term rentals and getting uh, little jobs done, big jobs done. Or even renovating this, this project, uh, getting the bids. But I would say we're blessed because our contractors are definitely reliable. They're definitely fast, um, and they're not killing us on price. So that's been a godsend. Yeah, it's, it's, that's probably the best mix you can really look for. Is is not something that's too expensive where it just doesn't really make sense anymore. Um, kind of like the in the middle where they're still going to do really high quality work, but but not you know rip your leg off and, and try to charge you everything. Yeah, totally. And I would say if you had to pick out of the two. At least for me and my my perspective, um, with how busy I am uh, and how important it is to hit a timeline, um, I'm gonna pay for quality and speed um, over foregoing and trying to get the best bid price every single time. Yeah. What about you? Want to talk about some unexpected coincidences and accidents that happened, maybe with uh, some wooded uh, type things like trees? Oh yeah. So uh, we did have a storm here in the Poconos. I ended up getting two trees falling on two different of my houses, one in this project, one in another. Um, luckily, the one on the other project wasn't that bad. Quick, easy fix. Uh, actually, only had to block off a day or two for guests, and we were able to fix that quick. Here, um, wasn't as quick or easy, but the good news was uh, it actually helped us discover that um, we could take off the ceiling that we had and vault the ceiling in the unit. 
Um, and before we did that, the rental rate was probably the average nightly rate was maybe 95 to 100. Um, now it's like 115 to 120. So even though we had to pay to redo the unit all over again um, and add some time, time to the ceilings, we are getting an extra 15 to 20 dollars a night. And in the long run, that's going to be a W. Yeah, it was almost like a blessing in disguise, honestly, because the unit already looked really, really good being done. But, you know, after that, you know, unfortunate event where the tree came down and we were able to, like you said, kind of vault the ceiling, add some more tongue and groove wood paneling. Um, it looked really, really awesome when it came out. So I was, I was kind of excited that it happened um, right after it happened because I knew kind of like what would have to happen to, to make it right. Um, but, yeah, spent a little bit, but I think it turned out pretty well in the end. Yeah, it definitely turned out well. Uh, and the crazy part was, so when we moved in and there were seven vacant units, I actually was staying in that one. Um, and a day after I left it to move into an apartment that opened up, uh, that's when the tree fell. So I, I could have lost my life. <laughs> yeah, it could have been super crazy. Yeah, and the, there was some really natural light that, that, that came in that was actually really pretty because um, the door on that one, which I don't think any other ones have it, the door on that one has like stained glass paneling. Um, which none of the other ones do, but just the way the sun hits it and kind of reflects it, it was really cool in the room. Um, yeah. Yeah, Golden Hour is special in Cabin 22. Check it out. Come stay with us. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, we actually all do live right on site, so it's, it's been really easy to kind of like, you know, step in here and there with the contractors, and we've all honestly, I, I've learned a few things just kind of, you know, being around here and just kind of watching them at work. Uh, maybe picking up a hammer sometimes. I'm not very handy, but you know, I've I've definitely learned a few things. Yeah, and I would say that uh, doing a bird project is not for the faint of heart. Um, there is a lot to overlook. Whether you're just doing one single family house or you're doing an entire resort project, uh, with how busy I am, I would be scared to do it from afar. Um, unless I really know the contractor well, I've used him before, or he has great references. Uh, so. Be sure to get good references or have prior experience with a contractor if you're trying to manage from afar. Yeah, and we actually also do have a, an, a whole podcast episode on bird projects with our boy Josh Hooper. Um, I forget which episode, but you guys can go check that out. Um, so yeah, that one is pretty good. He's really good at what he does. Um, he's, he's been doing it for a little bit now, and he's you know I, ho I hope he's doing pretty good. He just bought a really sick car. Yeah, he did actually just buy a Lamborghini. I did see that on his Instagram, and I was you know fanboying a little bit. Um, but, all right, so how many total units are we renovating here at the resort? So it turns out we were hoping to do 27. It looks like we're going to end up with 25, and that is only because there were a couple tenants here that uh, just don't have the heart to have them leave, so raise their rents um, modestly, uh, and I think it was the right play. I mean, we're not spending money renovating the units. we got a rent increase, and I can sleep at night, uh, which is the big thing. So 25 the magic number for us. 25, awesome. Okay, so we closed in December. Um, how many total units are, are done renovated currently? We have finished 16 as of this recording uh, in the middle of June, so that puts us at six and a half months, 16 units, uh, but we do have four currently going. That'll be done by the end of the month, so it's seven months, 20 units. We're averaging about three a month. I mean, I'd say that's pretty good. Um, I will say we did have some guys roll through at one point. We were showing them the resort, and we told them that we closed on it in December, and they actually had thought we meant December like a year ago, December. Um, they thought they were almost dumbfounded that it was December, you know, just about six, seven months ago. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's been pretty cool. A lot of people can't believe how recently we've closed. Um, but that's the thing is when you're on a timeline, um, you don't really have a choice. You kind of got to move. <laughs> uh, so that, that always helps. I firmly believe in the back against the wall strategy where if you uh, give yourself uh, open-ended timeline, it's going to take you forever. And if you have to finish something, uh, you'll get it done. Yeah, I mean, it really is that zero options mentality that kind of just keeps everyone um, you know, going. Um, and the teamwork around here is always just so awesome that it kind of just, you know, keeps us all going and, you know, propels us even further. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how, um, like, occupancy rates and things like that have been? Yeah, so we went into this project with admittedly not a ton of data, um, as much as we could drum up. And I think that's what's really interesting in the short-term space is uh, short-term inherently has a lot of risk because you can project um, as best you can. Uh, but really, I mean, if you're working with a unique product, you don't really know how it's going to hit. Um, we have been blessed yet again. Uh, the occupancy has been like 85, 90% here. Uh, there really aren't any other uh, studio options in the Poconos or anything with a cleaning fee as low as we have it. I think ours is at 35 or 40. Uh, and most other places in the Poconos are 125, 150 with the same size, maybe you'll get lucky and get someone for like 50 to 75, but the price of our stay is just, you can't compete with it. And then given the fact that we've just fully renovated these things, they, they look a million times better than other options and we can price competitively. Uh, so we, we stay put. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about like kind of what things are to do like around the area or just, I mean, really in the Poconos in general, kind of. Yeah, and that, that's the other thing that goes into short-term rentals, right, is um, I've learned in Philly that location doesn't always matter, um, but it helps. I've learned in the Poconos, just seeing some of the places that are near some of the major ski resorts, um, they do very well. Uh, here, we are about 20 minutes to everything, which is the running joke. Everything's 20 minutes away, no matter where you are in the Poconos. But, but it is true. Uh, we are right across from Buckhill Falls, awesome uh, country club style. Uh, HOA, they've got a really nice golf course. Skytop Lodge is only a couple of miles up the road. Promised Land State Park is maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and then you've got all your normal uh, Pocono attractions. Not normal, uh, but the big ones. You've got Kalahari, you've got Camelback. Um, so skiing is not too far. But really, we just get a lot of couples that are trying to get a getaway. Yeah, and so what do we do for the couples that come? What is one special thing that we leave out for them at every single stay? Like I can't give up all of my trade secrets. I guess I guess these are our, uh, loyal listeners. Um, so with that, I'll let you guys in. Um, we actually do a couple things, uh, and that's another big piece of short-term rentals. Is you need to figure out who your target audience is and focus solely on them. Um, so whether you have a really big house or a really small uh, studio uh, that's cabin themed, you would just have to make sure your listing is written so that it attracts those types of guests. You want to make sure your units are prepared for those types of guests. So what we do is we leave out a bottle of wine, two wine glasses, and then a deck of the and, the and, and cards. I don't want to say, but it's a couple's card game where they get to ask each other questions and get to know each other on a deeper level. Um, we have small little fire pits set up. And the rooms are just super cozy and perfect for uh, Poconos and chill. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's always so awesome, like, when you just, 
because we don't even tell them in the description that they're going to be there. So it's like when you just walk in with your significant other and you see like a nice wine glass set up with um, the card games and stuff, you're just you're super glad to be there and you're you're really hyped to to really honestly write a five star review. Do you want to talk a little bit about how our reviews have been? Yeah, I think we're just over a four point nine so far, uh, and a lot of our issues uh, have been very minor. Uh, maybe a Wi-Fi cutting in and out um, as we were first getting set up, or uh, the fact that there's still renovation going on here. Um, one guest actually was very upset that we left them wine, so uh, I guess be careful for that. Um, but our reviews have been fantastic. We've had great feedback, nothing uh, but great feedback. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we are on site. That helps a lot. Uh, like we said earlier, our whole team is here. So the hospitality is just a whole new level. Like we're able to leave out the rose petal packages. We're able to give them s'more stuff. We set up campfires for them. And really, like, the extra level of hospitality that can be reached when you have an on-site manager um, or you're there yourself uh, makes a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing better than when you're kind of, you know, just chilling at, like, it, let's say you're a guest and you come stay at the resort. There's nothing better than needing an extra towel or needing, you know, a little thing and, you know, talking in the chat to the host and you get it within 5-10 minutes. There's there's just nothing like that. Um, it's, it's really nice because we're all on site, um, so, you know. Our communications team, when somebody asks, you know, for a towel or something, um, they'll put it in the chat, say, hey, anybody on site right now? And then, you know, one of us will, will, will chime in and be like, yeah, we're on site. And then we'll go over to get it for them. Um, we, we start fires for them. We bring over the firewood. Like, it's 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 really nice. And, and you really do get those five-star reviews and those glowing five-star reviews when you can pr perform sort of services like that. Yeah, and that's what I'll say for managing over 100 units uh, is that as nice as your unit is, there are just so many different types of travelers and people who treat review scales different, differently. Um, some people are thinking that a four-star review is great. Um, a four-star dinner is great. A four-star hotel is great. Uh, but they don't realize how important getting a five-star review is. Um, so we've actually placed magnets on all the fridges to detail out what five versus four uh, versus three, two, one are. Um, and what I am trying to get to here is... Uh, no matter what you do, no matter how well your unit is set up, even if you have plenty of towels for every guest, there's going to be a guest that they're staying for maybe two nights, and there's two people, and for some reason they need nine towels. Who knows? I don't know what they're doing with the towels. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but my point being that if you really want to hit that five-star echelon, um, you need to be able to make the, the in-the-moment plays and to put out the fires, as we call them, and the name of the game in short-term rentals is being preventative and preparing as best you can. Uh, if you do that, you can probably get to a 4.8. Um, if you're ready and willing to go to the next level and take care of the stuff that most other hosts probably don't want to do, you'll be able to win over those people that will through the door. Yeah. So why is a 4.8 the, the benchmark? Why, why, why do all hosts and Airbnb want to get to that 4.8 status? Uh, it gives you super host status. Uh, and there are a lot of things that go into where you rank in the search for Airbnb. Um, a lot of things that you control. So your response time is a big one. Uh, our average response time is 2.9 minutes um, at any time of day, so that's a big driver for us. The Superhost badge definitely helps. I know some people who say they would only book with a Superhost. Uh, to me, the most important thing is where you rank in the search. The, more, the higher you rank in the search, the more people are going to see your listing, the higher chance you have of converting people. So uh, with that, you're just going to rank higher in the search. Yeah, I mean, it definitely helps. I mean, the idea is like, it's almost like a funnel. It's like the more eyes in your listing, 
um, the more people that are obviously going to see it um, from there, the more people are going to check it out a little further, you know, read the reviews, things like that, the more people are, are then going to book. Um, but because you're seeing way more people um, looking at your listing and then booking, your prices can go a lot higher and then you can even provide better services. You can start to hire some, some of the tasks out. Um, so you're not doing everything yourself and you can actually provide better service when you can start to hire things out as well, which just all goes into that getting better reviews, more money, hiring people out, better reviews, to kind of like keeps going in the cycle. Yeah, and there, there really are three tiers of listings that exist. Um, you really don't want to be in the bottom one. That's where you kind of half-assed everything that you were doing. The design is kind of weak. You push off maintenance items. Uh, that's just going to get you in a vicious cycle of low reviews. Then you're not going to make so much revenue. Then you're not going to have the money to put back into the things. So you're going to push it off even further. Um, that's a really tough and dangerous game to play. Uh, and not a game you want to be in because like I said the reviews are critical to the search even though the super host badge doesn't necessarily mean everything um, the higher the reviews are Airbnb is going to want to push you out because they know you're going to provide the experience they want people to resonate with the Airbnb platform um, same with VRBO and, and elsewhere so it's, it's definitely critical to get the reviews up the other two categories are people who take care of their stuff but they're, they're not all in uh, going above and beyond um, and then the last tier uh, is where you think these people are crazy. Like, wow, they set the house up um, like this for me as a rental. Um, wow, they're really fast to respond. Um, they take care of everything. They answer the phone. All of these things um, as a host uh, and how you prepare the house, that's the difference between being in the 75th percentile as a host, 50th percentile, and where you don't want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could not have said that better myself. Um, you got to remember that Airbnb is is in the business of trying to make money. So if, if you're getting people and they're booking your place, obviously Airbnb is getting cut of that. But if you can get those people to keep returning, Airbnb is going to push your listing to do more and more. Because if those guests are leaving a five-star view, it's likely they're going to come back. So Airbnb wants you to make more money, so they'll make more money in the end. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're smart about it. And that's the review process works so well for them because now they can weed out people who aren't giving good service and kind of push them to the bottom of the platform. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Quality first and the guests will come. Uh, let me go into a little detail about the negatives with the Burr process. Um, I know I touched quite a bit on why it's important to have good, reliable, quick contractors. Uh, but with most Burr projects, um, we are very grateful as our most multifamily players that we had a lot of units um, we were still collecting rent um, from the long-term tenants and then as the short terms went up our uh, operating income just continued to climb as we boosted the revenue tier uh, but if you're going to burr single-family houses you have to be very cognizant of the holding costs um, you are not collecting rent while you're fixing the house and you are paying interest likely or you just dumped a ton of cash in and now you just have cash sitting in the project so uh, timing is everything, and the, the faster you can move, the quicker you can go to the next project. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of their money is going to be made. Because your goal at the end is to keep a rental. Um, your goal is to make a, a really nice product and refinance out. Um, the longer you take to do that, the longer it's going to take you to get to the next one. So for me, I would rather finish projects in six months instead of nine. Um, that way I can do four in two years uh, instead of... 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always better to get more and just the velocity of money. You can just keep it moving. You know, you buy another place, you fix it up, you refi. You buy another place, fix it up, refi. Kind of just obviously the Burr method kind of just, you know, explains that. But it, it really is just like the faster you can move, the better. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's the name of the game if you're trying to pull as much cash out as possible. You spend a little more on the deal, um, but you end up doing four instead of two and a half in two years, then uh, you are inevitably going to have much bigger returns in the long run. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the long-term rentals are doing here? Just kind of touch on that. Dude, I hate long-term tenants. Um, <laughs> no offense to any of them here. Like, they are great people. Um, but long-term tenants, they just, they're a lot harder to deal with. Um, yeah. They're, they feel much more entitled to complain about things. Uh, and we've, we've been very lucky. We've been here for almost seven months, and we've had only a handful of maintenance issues. Um, and we did increase the rent, so don't love that. Uh, but with that, um, it's just such a different system. Um, and that's why I would say stick to the, the niche that you want. Um, it's never a bad thing to dabble into short-term rentals to see if you like it. Never bad to dabble into long-term to see if you like it. Uh, of course, if you're new to PM, uh, that helps a lot. But at the end of the day, um, I personally think managing a long-term rental is not worth it at all. It's 10 times more headache. You're dealing with people who look out of their lens and like what matters to them um, is something that's negligible in, in what's going on with you. Like for me, for example, obviously we fix every maintenance issue as quickly as possible. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. You want to be a good landlord. But uh, let's say a $25 or $50 rent increase, um, we're bringing over $50,000 a month in on this place. Uh, $25 or $50, it's almost not worth the aggravation of raising them because then they just feel entitled to complain about every little thing. Um, meanwhile, you didn't have to keep their lease anyway. So you try to be a good person and not raise the rent uh, much after they've been here for a while, and you just you hear the other side of it. Um, and to them, they think that they're able to talk to you on the phone for 20 minutes about it, whereas for you, it's like, this is a drop in the bucket. Like, I'm trying to move. Yeah, and it's also like... Because you have them in there so long, even if they they you know they clean up after themselves and they keep it pretty nice, like there's still like wear and tear to the unit. That's that's really much more than a short term rental would be because there's somebody living in it, and the money you have to spend to go in there and just like fix it after they eventually do move out. It's just like, what did I just like rent this whole place out for and deal with all these issues if like all the money I got from them I just have to like hook back into maintenance. Plus I had to deal with all their problems and like all those sorts of things. So it's like. Did this even make sense anymore? Like, I should just short-term rent it. Um, of course, there's a lot more work that is involved in short-term rentals. Some, some people don't believe that if they, they're not actually in the game. Like, oh, yeah, it's just people coming in and out. It's just, you know, quick and easy. It's, it's almost like a full-time job, honestly, especially if you have, like, two, three, four properties. It, it can definitely replace your, your full-time job very quickly. It's way more work, but it's also way more rewarding. The, it's also the, way more fun, yeah. The revenue is much higher, and if you're a hostility person, it's fun. You don't mind it. Yeah, like just hopping on the phone with a guest, just making sure their their stay is all right. Like it's always so fun, just like to banter back and forth with them, make sure they're you know having a good time, giving some recommendations, and kind of just like you know bouncing things off of them. Yeah, and if you get stuck with a bad short term guest, it lasts a couple days, a week. You get stuck with a bad long term tenant. Oh man, <laughs> you are in trouble. And it's like game you said, over. Yeah, some some tenants just don't take care of their place. It doesn't matter how long they're in there. Like it's not worth the rent. Um, I can't believe how some of these units were when we took over. Um, and that's no fault to the, to the people we bought it from. Um, it was the market that, that we're in. Um, COVID hit here. Long-term rentals probably weren't an easy play. Their studio units. Uh, 
but we moved out some some pretty crazy people um, going in their unit like honestly like we were gonna rip everything apart but like it needed to be ripped apart yeah I couldn't imagine if we were gonna go into some of these units and and re-rent out as, as long term it's like we would have to spend so much money just to get it back to like regular condition that like even long terming it like you wouldn't even break even for for months on months like just to get back to break even from all the damage that the last tenant did because I mean they only have so much security deposit and if they do like a pretty good amount of damage like the security deposit only goes so far. Yeah, dude. When someone lives somewhere for eight years, like they don't, they don't realize how bad it got over time. Like as we we were helping the one guy move out because he just physically couldn't do it himself, and uh, he couldn't even believe how he was living. We we filled from his three hundred square foot generous three hundred square foot studio unit. We filled two full fifteen foot box trucks, uh, U-Haul, with stuff. And it's like, dude, I don't know. I really don't know how you had all that stuff in it. I yeah, I don't know how you would have moved around. I wasn't here to help out, but I I, I heard, and I, I just I don't know how you could even move around in that unit. But um, I, I guess he did it. Um, but maybe we want to talk about like what exactly we were doing in the the new short term running units when we were ripping out all the things. Like, what exactly do we do to get them to you know, the, the proper standard for the, the rentals we want them to be? Well, that's the cool thing about how we were experimenting, as you called it. Um, some of the units made more sense to redo the bathrooms because we were able to blow out some walls and make them bigger. Um, other units, I don't think that renovation was necessary uh, to spend the money to do a bathroom, but it was still going to end up, in my opinion, moderate at best. Um, so really, it's about figuring out like when you're doing a burr, what makes the most sense to you. I know a lot of investors are going to try to get that burr property that they're doing the whole thing over. Um, Sometimes you're going to have to take deals where it's cosmetic flip, uh, cosmetic burr, uh, and you're going to have to pick and choose. Like you only have so much in the budget to work with. Uh, I would say like the main things that you can do to make a unit look nice um, are paint, accents, uh, accent walls, light fixtures, changing the lighting in general. Like we took over some of these units and they had maybe one lamp that can plug into an outlet as the main lighting source um, by adding recessed lighting. Um, and a nice light fixture. I think a lot of light fixtures we get are from Wayfair for anywhere from like 80, I think we spent up to $220. And the $220 ones look sick. Super awesome. Super worth it. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, when you're spending 20,000 units, $200 on uh, a focal piece, not that much, but the way that the whole room feels when you went from one bedside lamp to now a 15 bulb uh, gold light fixture, uh, it feels feels like you could increase around hundred dollars just off that oh it's easily yeah and like there's even people that'll just go and do like the basic stuff for like even just single family homes like the, the they call it a quote-unquote renovation but they'll just switch out the light fixtures and do some really quick things but it really does transform a property like a lot honestly it's almost night and day like how how little the changes you make but how big of an impact they can really make yeah yeah so i would say paint light fixtures um flooring is not expensive to do those are where you're going to want to start if you want to go like really light cosmetic reno and make it feel um, like you did a lot. Uh, after that, uh, bathrooms and kitchens or kitchenettes get expensive. Um, and you want to make sure that the space you're, you're doing it to, um, I, would, I would never half-ass doing a bathroom or kitchen. Like to take out uh, a tub and put a tub back in, um, I, people, people are more cognizant of how much you spend on like a kitchen or a bathroom. Um, when they look at it, uh, anything newer, of course, looks nice. But if you're going to spend the money, like labor is what kills you. 
uh, if you're going to spend the money on the labor to do the bathroom, spend an extra couple thousand to make it higher end, and it's going to pay off every time. Oh, it's totally going to make a difference. And I will say, if you do want to go with the, the higher end stuff for, for the bathrooms in the kitchen, um, think about maybe trying to learn some of those really easy skills yourself. Like, try to do the light fixture yourself. It's really not that hard. Or try to put the flooring in yourself. Um, as long as it's not going to take a bunch of extra time and it's going to push your, your kind of, you know, final date when you want to be done. As long as it's not going to push that back a ton, um, try to do it yourself. Go on, go on, you know, YouTube and kind of look it up and you're going to save a lot of money and labor just doing it yourself. Yeah, and that's definitely something I noticed. Uh, trying to learn some more things uh, while working on the resort because the contractors um, can be great and reliable, but other times, like, you don't want to hit every contract for every little thing. So learning the little things is definitely helped helpful it'll make you appreciate your contractors when they are here um and mike's right like you you can do a lot of this stuff yourself now i wouldn't recommend it i would recommend like understanding it enough so that you know how to sub it out the right way and what things should cost um, and try to familiarize yourself with uh the process that way when you sub it out you can do it reasonably um and people aren't going to hate you when you try to get bids too low and people uh aren't going to rip you off when you're Oh, yeah, it definitely helps when you kind of understand the market a little bit. And I think Brandon Turner has a really good book on burrs. Um, I read it a while back. Um, he has some pretty good estimates on what things, you know, properly should cost. Um, but there's always, like, an asterisk there because, you know, different markets um, kind of have different prices on things, you know, how available contractors are to work and, and things like that. But his, his book is really good. I would check it out if you're interested. Yeah, totally. Brandon Turner knows his stuff. Uh, he's been doing this for quite a while. He's a friend of Bid the Pocket podcast, so definitely a good person to take advice from and I think what I appreciate about him is he's really candid about mistakes that he's made and what he's learned um, from taking on all types of different projects and that's that's the name of the game in real estate is the more stuff you take on the more you realize like where you went wrong and that you'll never do it again uh, I can appreciate my time being five years into real estate there's some things that I did in my first couple years um, I got lucky with a lot of the stuff I did honestly um, but I definitely learned a lot from it as well I just I appreciate the journey. Yeah, I mean it's always cool to start from kind of nothing and really just work your way up and kind of just learn like what you're doing, like why you're doing it. Um, there's nothing better than kind of just getting started and, and doing it, um, which a lot of people don't even do. A lot of people just you know start in that learning phase and they just kind of you know read books and listen to podcasts and just kind of like um, it's like almost like success zombies, I guess you could say. And Andy Frisella says it really well. Um, you just take in so much information, but you never actually do anything. Um, and that's really the first step you need to do is, is just do something and just, you're not going to know how to do it. So you just kind of learn how you do it along the way. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's what I see from all the big dogs in the Poconos market is that they own a ton of properties, but they also like, they're the most knowledgeable people there are. Like they can fix everything themselves. They know, they know how to build a house ground up. Like they've, they've gone through the gauntlet and they've gotten there by putting in years and years and years into the game. And so, like I said, appreciate the journey um, and try to try to immerse yourself as much as you can. That's the only way you're going to get better. Yeah, and really just trying new things. Like try to step out of your element. Like if you're only doing bird projects, like maybe try to step out and do something else. Or maybe if you're only doing, um, you know, buying holds, maybe try to step out and do short-term rentals or, or kind of vice versa and things like that. You want to diversify a little bit. Just kind of, you know, have your toes dipped in, in every little basket. Yeah, and I would say mostly try it so you like learn what you like or you don't. If you're good at something, like stick to the niche. But if you try something else and you like it a lot, then that's great. Um, for me, I hate long-term rentals. I very well learned that I would never touch a long-term rental again unless 
I'm going to end up turning over to a better player. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I kind of agree with that as well um, at this point with, with what I've learned. Um, maybe uh, what's, what are some of the really big things we have coming for, for the resort project itself? Yeah, so the focus has been chiefly on getting these units renovated and driving up revenue, uh, and that's when it'll get fun. So we're going to take care of uh, some major landscaping the year after. Um, we're definitely going to do a pickle pickleball court. Uh, we are in between a dog park and axe throwing. We're trying to make them both work. We're definitely going to add some more fire pits and outdoor seating area. Uh, and I think that's the other thing with a burr, right? Um, and here's how I see it is uh, you have a limited budget, right? So when it comes to preparing for a refinance, your job is to show revenue. Your job is to put the money into things that are going to return the most money. Uh, so for us here, I mean, landscaping in every house is different. Every project is different. Sometimes landscaping will add to the, the ARV. Other times, um, that makes way more sense for a flip where you're going to sell it and you need curb appeal. Um, for us, I don't see adding a flower bed uh, giving us the ability to charge extra on the nightly rate across the units. I would much rather have more units up um, and have the units themselves be very picturesque and attractive to the couples coming to stay. Now, in the long term, guest experience matters a lot. So taking care of some of this landscaping stuff, uh, getting the pickleball courts in, getting the dog park, that stuff will be really cool and will end up driving the revenue up based on the guest experience going up. Uh, but when you're working on a timeline and a budget and with a refinance in mind, you can always take money from the refinance and work on uh, the lipstick stuff later. Uh, but otherwise, like it's all gotta be worth it in the end. Yeah, totally true. I do have a question for you. Um, it's more of like an opinion. Um, do you think it's possible, and I think I know the answer, do you think it's possible to do um, almost fully direct bookings and just take it off of Airbnb and the other platforms? It takes a long time. Uh, do I think it's possible? Yes. Um, we almost bought a project where the owner had like, I want to say it was like 70% direct bookings. Um, and I can see why she had owned it for a while. She built up a basis of customers that would return. Uh, and I think that's something you can do over time. Um, but when you are getting started, like you, you need the platforms and it, it doesn't make any sense. It's frustrating that they keep charging more and more fees. I think they're like 15 to 17% now, um, which is just astronomical compared to where a lot of these platforms started. Uh, and I think it's, it's only going to get worse for hosts uh, and these platforms will favor the guest side heavier. So it is important to try to transfer off platform, but I don't think it happens overnight, um, especially with, with a newer listing. Uh, maybe if you already have a, a really large existing customer base, otherwise you can do it. Uh, but direct booking to me, um, you, you can't only be listed on your own site. It's just, it's not plausible. Yeah, I mean, that's, that was a really good way to put it. Um, yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think we're kind of getting ready to, to wrap up the episode here. Um, if we want to kind of shout out again sort of where they can find elements um, and just kind of what other things we're doing, where they can find us. Yeah, so you can find uh, elements uh, on Instagram at stay.elements. Um, you could also find all of the units on our website, livefreehospitality.com. Um, and big shout out to a lot of the people who have been helping with the project. We got at livefreewithmikey here doing the podcast, uh, putting in a lot of late nights, getting these units ready, taking care of stuff across the grounds. Uh, at Cash Out Carry, um, 
never would have thought knowing her, but she uh, she's a beast. She she knows how to, to keep it going. Uh, maybe it's because I don't sleep, and now she doesn't sleep, and uh, she really puts that time to work and has made Elements a special place. Uh, live free with Gunner. Been renovating the unit. Uh, he has been a godsend in getting us uh, looking how we want to look. So big shout out to him, and then of course saving uh, biggest guy for last at Live Free with Ty. Uh, this guy's a monster. Um, when I said you need an on-site manager and we're lucky to live here, uh, we ended up with both. Um, Tyler is not only helping out with the project, uh, but he also is a leading driver in the guest experience. You can see in the reviews. So big shout out to the boy, um, monitoring the messages, making the fires. Uh, I like to joke around that I make a few fires and I've, I've had some fun with the guests and I have, but uh, that guy is the guy who's really touched my time with him. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much it for us, guys. Uh, we hope you uh, enjoyed it. We hope you learned some something, maybe. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we will uh, we'll see you on the next episode, I guess. Yeah, and maybe then we'll disclose just exactly the numbers, how they're doing. I know I cheated some out there. Um, we did start uh, with full capacity rent here would be like 33,000. Um, when we took over units were vacant, we were at 29. Um, we did surpass uh, 42,000 last month. Bang. Um, and with all the units down and some units left to renovate, we're going to get well over 50,000 here um, to be right where we want to be for the refi. What does that refi number look like? I can't tell you. The appraiser will. Um, hoping for the best. Keep your fingers crossed. But other than that, live free out there, guys. Yeah, cross them, guys. Cross those fingers for us for a good appraisal. And we will see you in the next one.